It's another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. But are you subscribed? If not, make sure to like, share and subscribe. Spread the word about the Christian Reef podcast and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. Today's guest is a podcaster, YouTuber, marketing professional and comic book writer all the way from the USA. His name is Mike Bivens. Welcome to the show, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I won't lie. It's think things going well. <laughs> but let's talk about you. It's about you. <laughs> you host a mental health podcast known as Silent Journeys. Mm-hmm. Tell us why you started this podcast and what sort of topics you tend to discuss on the actual show. Yeah, absolutely. So Silent Journeys was actually kind of a COVID project of mine. Um, I had a podcast previous to that um, and it had kind of run its course and ultimately was more work than the payoff was. And so I wanted to switch gears into something new. And so, um, you know, like a lot of people I was dealing with, you know, different mental health uh, complications being isolated in COVID-19. I had moved 2000 miles away from everyone and everything I had known in the middle of uh, um, June uh, of 2020. So um, I was in a very new environment, not knowing anybody, And so, you know, mental health obviously kind of arose and uh, it's always been an important topic to me, but I I thought, well, let's, um, you know, how else can I engage in this and uh, also like bring in my own hobbies of of podcasting. And so Silent Journeys is kind of born as this opportunity to speak and listen to other people share their mental health stories and uh, kind of share those out with anybody that was kind of wanting to hear similar stories to their own or hear just you know just to know that they're not alone in the struggles that they have has talking to other people about their conditions kind of helped you with your own yeah absolutely and um as things have changed uh so i uh previously worked at a uh, public university and so we were um we were very much still working in person throughout the pandemic and so because of that i did end up meeting people and like associating with them a little bit at work and so that was also a big big help um for me just kind of getting over that mental hurdle of just feeling isolated um and so i think also you know it was a combination of getting that human face-to-face interaction um and you know having this opportunity to speak to people really all over the world um during last year, I talked to people from Pakistan, India, the UK, around the US, um, uh, some in Canada. And so uh, I really had the opportunity to just like kind of decompress and, and talk through some of these uh, d- very serious struggles and issues um, with people just really all over the place, which has been fantastic. And what would you say are some of the most kind of memorable moments on the show so far? Yeah, um, I think some of the most memorable moments has just been um, just how deeply open people will be if given the opportunity to share what they, um, what they've been feeling. I have, I've had people come onto the show and share just some of their deepest and, and darkest moments that they've gone through in their life. And they are totally willing to just lay it on all out there for the entire world to hear. And uh, so it's been, uh, I guess just, every moment that I find someone who comes on to the show and is willing to just be completely vulnerable with me and my audience. uh, Those are the most like incredible, like memorable moments that I've had on this show so far. Has there been anything 
sort of challenging or maybe not so good that you sort of had to deal with and how did you kind of navigate it if so um good question i think the most challenging has been um i've had two or three guests who have shared some really tough moments and uh kind of dealing with the the empathy that i have when listening to these and and reflecting on my own previous experiences in my life and and thinking back to like the the places that i've been uh and not so healthy mental uh mentally speaking um and then having to hear these stories like you empathize with them and you're like you know it's that uh it's difficult to hear those. And, um, sometimes it's just having to take a step back and like, you know, speak with them afterwards and just like, you know, kind of relate a little bit and, and talk through that. And, uh, I'm really good at using humor to kind of diffuse, um, really tough, like situations, um, you know, regarding like mental health, cause I've had lots of experience with it growing up. And so, um, using using humor to try and you know relax and, and bring things back to kind of a cheery level uh before you know departing ways from the recording is has been my best way of dealing with it that's interesting actually you mentioned this kind of after sort of like aftercare side of things is that something that you kind of developed over time or did you kind of set out with that in mind thinking like yeah if i get something in particular i need to kind of take the responsibility for that i mean because some people would just be like well it's not my responsibility but like why for you is that important um i think it's important to me i have been working in uh student affairs which is essentially uh for those who aren't familiar with student affairs um think it's everybody that's on a college campus who isn't teaching uh we're in we're essentially human resources for students and so um my education for that and my employment in there has always just been about like this ethic of care mm -hmm. and and looking after one another and ensuring everybody is you know safe and healthy and, and feeling okay and I think that that just naturally kind of bled over into the show um and uh at the end like checking in on my guests and um uh, I'm getting ready to actually reach out to my previous guests that I've had and kind of just like you know, check in on them, see how they're doing. Um, and so that's, uh, that's something I'm planning. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, is there a way for me to like, kind of make an episode of it where I bring back some of the guests to, to kind of talk about like, where they, you know, where they've gone since, you know, a year ago, when I last talked to them? I think that's a very good idea. I see a lot of different creators doing similar thing. I know this isn't exactly the same, but I've been watching a lot of um, Gordon Ramsay's clips on, on YouTube, um, <laughs> just in between editing and stuff. And yeah, that was one of the things that he would do is come back a year later, see how they're doing. Um, and just bringing it back to the point, like, you know, um, it's all well and good, like saying like, this is my action plan. This is what we're going to do. This is how I'm going to progress. But then, you know, when you're away from that person who's giving you that advice, support, whatever the case may be, and you're on your own, it can be tricky to put that into effect and be more importantly, being consistent, I think is the, is always the key consistency. I think is, is the key to most things, particularly when it comes to mental health. Cause you know, it's, it, it's like this, you know, every day is like that, you know, and it's, it, it can be, it can be tricky. And, um, yeah, different people deal, deal with diff these things in different ways. I feel, you know, like I'd say for me, most of the time, I don't really have any issues, but I have that kind of like flip reverse thing. So like 
I don't really have it anymore. I mean, I haven't had it for a long, long, long time. But when I did have it, it was kind of like a both like a physically paralyzing thing, if you know what I mean. So like, mm-hmm. not only do you feel depressed, but your body's just like letting you know, <laughs> like the whole time. And it's like, well, great, I can't do anything. <laughs> um, which isn't funny. But I don't know, it's funny in, in retrospect, I suppose. But uh, anyway, um yeah you mentioned in that that you you deal with student affairs i'm intrigued um what are some of the sort of like craziest stuff that you've had to deal with doing that role um well unfortunately some of the craziest stuff is like under uh privacy privacy laws preventing me to talk about it but i've seen um i've i've uh been a part of investigations and and read reports on uh investigations other people in my office have done of just like some really insane acts of just like what you know that makes you stop and think like what was going through your mind when you when you did this and and why would you want to do it in front of people you know knowing like not only does this break so many uh school ethics uh um rules but it's it's also just bizarre acts um that that make really no sense and then um yeah I, I wish I could share some of the stories I have, but I, it'll be a few years before I'm actually able to to share like openly some of these things. Nah, that's that's completely fair. That's sensible. But on the bright side, it just reminded me of something that I've never actually told either on my channel or the podcast before. So, and it's and it's on topic as well. Uh, so when I was at uni, there was uh, okay. So our main campus building um, is like a 18th century building um, or. I think 19th century building and uh, it's beautiful. Uh, if you're, if you're interested, you can check out Royal Holloway university on Google and you can find a big orange building, cathedral type style. Uh, very beautiful. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's a very old building. And I found out later that basically uh, because they did insulation differently many hundreds of years ago, apparently I don't know this to be fact, but apparently the insides of the walls are insulated with things like animal fur and supposedly gasoline. I don't know if that's true, hmm. uh, but apparently, but one of the things that apparently is true is that the building is highly flammable. And apparently at one point it was one of the most flammable buildings in Europe. Again, don't know the facts about this. This is just what we heard. Anyway, one day there was a kid who, from what I remember, he'd either been expelled the year before uh, oh, no, 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 that was it. He was expelled in his final year. So he'd messed around that much that he got expelled from university, by the way. Mm-hmm. This is school. This is university. So I don't know what the hell you have to do to get expelled from university. Well, I think maybe this was the thing that got him expelled. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> basically, <laughs> I don't know if he was on drugs or probably, um, but he basically got, went and decided to set fire to this girl's bedroom in this uh, what we called founders building right and obviously because things you know light up like a matchbox it just everything caught on fire and there's two sides to this story so um a that building was cordoned off we had like five or six fire uh trucks there you know it was kind of crazy this response time is always like that because it's a listed building so it makes sense um but on the flip side of this there's a student living there and it's like her first year she's a european student right she had no money and the university were 
Hmm, how can I can a bit that they were helpful, but like not as helpful as they could be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, and it was really cool. Like our university, all the students kind of pitched together and, and basically got got her like I think another like enough money so she could stay somewhere else. But yeah, the university didn't offer that. So yeah, mm. do better. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So basically, that got kind of got uh, sort of sorted out later on. But obviously, she was under distress, and the guy that actually did it, uh, it was bizarre. He ran halfway across the campus because campus based uni uh, to the other library that we have um, this is the old library and because uh, it's like a 24 hour library like you could just kind of walk in walk out sometimes people would just like hang out there all at all times drink there it was really weird uh, <laughs> like drinking at the library you know but um yeah and uh he he was just like shouting at everyone and, and getting distressed and it's the first time i've ever seen someone get arrested and dragged out by police from a university campus so that was yeah that was interesting uh <laughs> but um yeah he nearly he nearly burned down that building so there you go crazy <laughs> yes yeah, so. it it fascinates me i did not realize just like like growing up you see like crazy movies about like insane things college students do and and you know you just take it as movies and then you get into college and you're like oh wow like people actually do insane things uh, all through like all the way up until right before they graduate they're still you know stealing street signs and and burning and starting uh couch fires in the middle of the street and it's, it's you just shake your head like wow it, it i mean the movies aren't that far off it's true there's always the weird kid the crazy kid and the weird the the i suppose the worst thing about about it is when you actually ask them why they did it you'll either get oh i was bored something to do or that, that some crazy answer, like something where you're like, oh, that kid's gonna grow up to be a serial killer. Like there's just, there's no doubt in my mind. Cause, it, mm. cause it's like, they, they don't like function in a normal way. Do you know what I mean? Like every kid, particularly uh, boys, I imagine growing up, you, you've done stuff that you shouldn't have. You know, it's that kind of classic boys being boys mentality, right? Um, but at the same time, it's like everyone has like a limit. Do you know what I mean? And especially when it comes to like setting fire to like mm-hmm. buildings or destroying buildings. Like, come on. It's like, especially when you're in school, it's like we, we want to at least graduate and not get kicked out. And you know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> I couldn't imagine getting to the end, getting right to the end and then getting expelled. Like, oh man, all that wasted progress. Well, yeah, especially with university as well. I mean, here in the UK, it's like nine grand per term. So it's like <laughs> you're in debt, you don't get your degree. And then mm-hmm. I think apparently with this kid as well, like I think his his parent was, or one of his parents was like a professor at the university. So it's like, oh, yeah. And I don't even think that could get him off. Like I, I'm pretty yeah. sure it, the way it sounded was like he was like this sort of rich kid messing around doing drugs and mm. it ended up with that and it's like god damn that's the, i mean it's like you've got the easiest route for for yourself you know what I mean? yeah absolutely and just piss it all away oh well well moving it forward um you also for my notes you also po- host a podcast known as f in chat mm-hmm Tell us more about this podcast and what you tend to discuss on this show. Yeah, so F and Chat, uh, the name was 
uh, is kind of born out of a meme. Um, and uh, essentially what it is, is it's just kind of a buddy chit chat show where uh, two of my friends and I just get together weekly and we talk about the biggest, the biggest news in pop culture uh, particularly, uh, on the nerdier side of things. And so we're talking about like news and streamer, uh, news with streamers, uh, talk about some video game stuff, uh, and industry news, that kind of thing. Um, and then we have a couple of different arguments about just like random topics. And, and, uh, so, oh, uh, you know, last time, our last episode, we talked about, you know, is the ocean a soup? And we kind of went back and forth and, uh, yeah. And just like fun little arguments like that to kind of like liven up and, and, you know, get a little argumentative with each other and, and see where, where it goes. So what was the verdict? Is ocean the, o- the ocean is absolutely a soup. It's a giant soup. It's a giant soup. And what was that based on? <laughs> Give us a quicker version. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a fish soup. It's full of fish it's and fish it's a liquid. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's just fish soup. Wow. I've never heard it described that way. But I could see it. I could see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, so, would, it wouldn't taste good. It'd be a bad. No, no, it would, <laughs> it would be too awful. <laughs> too salty. This, yeah, seawater. Oh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. absolutely. So yeah, and so we just take uh, you know crazy opinions like this and, and try to argue back and forth. And uh, you know, we never really win all the the uh, whether the ocean is a soup was probably the first argument that we've all had like come to an agreement agreeance on. Other than that, we've always like very much ended the argument saying, well, we have our own opinions and that's fine. Uh, and then we move on from there. And uh, so it's just been a, a really fun way for uh, a couple of buddies and I just to connect and, and talk about just a couple of ridiculous things once a week. Well, give us some more examples. What other kind of crazy stuff have you guys spoken about? Yeah, so this is actually a carryover. The two of them uh, talked on a somewhat similar podcast where they were given like these roles and they had to argue who won. This argument did not end in that podcast. They carried it back to ours and they continued it. <laughs> yeah. And so they were wait, arguing. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. So they had an argument on their show. They haven't resolved it. And they thought, oh, we'll just hijack your show and continue our argument there. Yeah, yeah. And so it, <laughs> the argument went, uh, who would win? A big, uh, who would win in a fight? Um, a, a witch who uh, can produce unlimited cookies or a big bird with a Nerf gun. And and it was just just crazy things like that. We're like, what? You know, I, yeah. Which was hilarious. Um, and then we uh, oftentimes we talk about food a little bit too. We all we're all pretty big fans of foods, and so we got in an argument about you know which fast food joint has the best breakfast sandwiches. And we all had our personal favorites, and we all got a little argumentative about you know a very much asserting who has the best breakfast sandwiches so i mm-hmm. uh, it's the the arguments uh sometimes I, I feel like we get a little too much into the food side of it but it's uh we all have a good time and uh you know we all tend to laugh at each other and and yeah so awesome man awesome and um obviously since you're doing a lot of different podcasts what are the main things you've kind of learned from podcasting in general um oh man what but have how, i learned how, from podcasting? How, how long have you been doing it actually uh so i started podcasting in 2019 okay all right so two years yeah so yeah it's i mean it's been a phenomenal journey i started off knowing absolutely nothing about uh 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 like producing audio 
editing it. I knew nothing. Uh, in undergrad, I was a philosophy and political science major. Oh. And, and exactly. And so I, I did not have a background in it at all. So, I mean, I, I've had to learn everything about it just by like finding things. And, and thankfully, like, especially through this last year where, you know, podcasts have, have just dramatically increased. There's been such a, a crazy increase in um, available courses and, and, and educational materials for podcasting, which has really been helpful um, over the last year, kind of uh, improving, uh, you know, audio editing techniques and whatnot. But um, my, my first podcast was I interviewed activists and advocates about what they do and why they did it. And which was just great to, to hear people speak so passionately about everything about everything from environment, environmentalism to um, Black Lives Matter. And, and uh, it just really anything you could think of, I, I had the opportunity to speak with someone about this. And so uh, I just one one common thread that I've learned uh, through podcasting is how much I genuinely enjoy learning somebody's story and and just connecting it with something they care about. It has been, I, I had no idea how passionate I was about learning people's stories and understanding like what connects them. Uh, and until after I started podcasting. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I didn't really know what to expect when I started doing this. Like I, I started this many years ago. Well, <laughs> the thought process for setting setting one up was many years ago, but it was only last year I started doing sort of one with a couple of friends online. And then I started this, the Christian Reef podcast. And um, originally this wasn't supposed to even be an interview podcast. It was supposed to just be general discussion. And it's kind of evolved into a mixture of both. Uh, like every guest I have on the show, you know, there's this standard interview, you know, all transparency we, we plug that person we talk about different assets of their life but i am trying to get like a discussion out of that out of that person because i think that's always more interesting you know like mm -hmm. if, if you imagine that this person that you're talking to is, is like i always treat it as though my guest is a massive big deal do you know what i mean like because people always say that like oh who have you had on your guest anyone i would know and it's like yeah okay it's, it's not it's not i don't know what would be a good interview uh I can't even think of a good interviewer. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like this grand interview show, but like, to be fair, when I think about like good interviews and like good interview shows, it's never really about, you, you know, like the guest per se. It's always about what kind of conversation they were able to draw out of that person. Like, were they able to make them feel comfortable enough to share things you wouldn't normally hear them talk about and, and so on. I think that's more of the draw, but um yeah just just bringing it back that, that that's something that i've i've become really drawn to every time is learning about different types of people you know the way people sort of think feel um different people's lives obviously and also yeah just i don't know i think it makes you a better conversationist in in real life like, oh absolutely i have i have completely noticed as far as like my confidence levels in talking to just complete strangers mm. like a world of difference from before I started podcasting to now. Um, I, you know, I, I dealt with like social anxiety a little bit in college. Uh, you know, if I wasn't familiar with you, I wasn't super great at making conversation, but now both of my, uh, 
the, my first and second show, five questions and silent journeys, like all that interviewing and all that talking to complete strangers. And like, especially like having these really deep personal conversations, like my conversational skills, my comfortability with talking to complete strangers, my confidence, especially in selling myself and talking about and talking about things that I'm passionate about. I've just absolute, uh, other side of the spectrum and full confidence in myself. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like that the skill came from podcasting where so much of it, I don't even see their faces. It's so much of it. It's just been audio only. Uh, it, I love it. I, I also have gained such a deep appreciation and, and love and respect for like the power of audio and like power of podcasting. I, I, I don't know. I, I, and I, I've loved it so much that I have chosen to pursue like podcasting more professionally. And so up until now, I've been such a hobby podcaster, you know, for these two years and engaging in many different spaces, talking to different podcasters and just like learning. And now like I'm beginning this journey of like, how can I turn this like deep passion and love for, for the power of audio? How can I turn that into, you know, a professional outlet where I can pursue this, uh, as a full-time opportunity. And I just, I <laughs> deep, deep love for podcasting is where I'm at in my life. It's the dream, isn't it? That's all it takes mm-hmm. is, you know, a decent follower base. And then you can start pitching to, uh, to sponsors. Like people have said that to me as well before, like, why do why don't you try and get a sponsor? Believe me, I would love to, but there's nothing to pitch to sponsors. It's like, Hey, come check out this podcast that sometimes gets views. <laughs> sometimes doesn't mm-hmm. I mean, there are there are i've noticed on my audio platforms there is somewhat of a regular listen account but like there isn't an average like for instance if every episode had like 20 views or lessons i'd be like okay here's a clear audience every time right this is something mm-hmm. i can pitch but the reality is it'll be like one episode gets like 15 listens the next one gets like four and then the next one gets something six and it's like I can't tell yeah. if there's, do you know what I mean? Like, and- oh, absolutely. And it, I, one of the things I've noticed too, is like, it's so weird. Like I haven't worked on my first show since April of last year. And so I ran it for like six months, five, six months. And to this day, there are some weeks where like, I don't even know how people are finding it, but I will have more people listening to this old show for, that's, been over for been closed for over a year than I do like on the current show, which I am actively marketing and like throwing out there. I'm like, where do you even like, where, where, you know, where are people even finding this show? Like, how are they like discovering it and listening to it too? So discoverability is just so odd in the world of podcasting. Do you know what? I think, I mean, I don't know. I am speculating at this point, but I think the longer you go with podcasting, the greater the chance you have, because, Mm -hmm. you know, there are so many podcasts out there. It's it's almost, it's almost a meme at this point when you say, Oh, I'm going to start a podcast. Okay, great. Yeah. Come join the ocean of other podcasts. Yeah, it absolutely is a meme. I think we, we, I mean, we hit 2 million podcasts uh, recently, um, which, which is odd, but if you dig, dig into the numbers and you wait, look, wait, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean? Worldwide? Is that's how many worldwide there are now, there are now over 2 million podcasts that have been started. Um, that right? seems a bit low still though. You would think so, but it's only been a recent number, but here's the thing. It's even bigger. A kicker is when you dig into the data and you show, uh, that 
uh, of these 2 million podcasts, the number that have more than, I think, five episodes and like, um, and have released an episode within the last two months or something, the number drops down to 600,000 active podcasts, which to me, it seems like there's an absolute ocean, an endless supply of podcasts being thrown in your face all the time. These numbers seem so low. And maybe do you know what? I'll tell you what, why that number is so low right there. It's because everyone, I've said this so many times, everyone gives up really quickly because mm-hmm. they expect to just do their podcast and it's going to blow up. And like most people's podcasts that actually do well, like the person has already known, they've already built a following elsewhere. Uh, it's very rare that someone actually works from the ground up. Like if you take someone like Joe Rogan, like Joe Rogan was already, you know, I know know I've spoken about him so many times, but it's just like a quicker example I can think off the top of my head because he, and he's interesting as well because he was a comedian. He was already fairly known, you know, Fear Fat, all those different shows. Mm -hmm. But when he started his podcast, no one cared. Like, yeah, a bit of a following, but not really. Do you know what I mean? He he really had to like work his way up and, uh, you know, and I've said it before, so sorry for um, for repeating myself. But yeah, I think it took him about two, three hundred shows before he sort of found his groove in uh, mm-hmm. what we have now, the modern format. And then if you look at other podcasts like, uh, you know, I'm just thinking of YouTube ones at this point. But like there, there are so many that I, I don't really feel like it's a podcast, if you know what I mean. Like it's it's people they say it's a podcast but it's not. Do you know what I mean? Like the best example mm-hmm. of, a, of a good podcast network that I can think of. Um, and okay, this is niche to wrestling. So like, if you're not a wrestling fan, you won't get this, but there's a guy called uh, Conrad Thompson. Who's like a mortgage advisor in, um, in Texas. And he's, he's built up, sorry, not Texas, Alabama. And he's bought up, um, he's built like a, a podcast network of about five different types of podcasts. Plus like a couple of companies he set up a yearly event, uh, that has like, it's essentially like a wrestling convention, right? As he's done all of these different things and it, yeah, he's working with like really successful, famous wrestlers and uh, former personalities from the industry and stuff, right? And um, he's been doing it for a long time, maybe five years, six years or something, right? And um, it's, very, it's very clever. You know, he, he has like sponsors that, that pay him and then he also promotes his own business for it. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But the one thing is always remained and still to this day is, is a podcast. It's not like two guys dicking around or just people, I don't know, having a laugh at something. It's like, and look, I'm not saying that like podcasts have to follow like strict, strict rules, but you know, I've said this in previous episodes, you do have to have a basic format. You have to have something that people can follow and work with every single episode. Like people that tune into my my podcast, I'd like to think that, you know, they know that they're going to get either a very solid interview or a discussion that's structured that's easy to follow. You know what I mean? There won't be too much backtracking, circling back, any of that, unless it's absolutely necessary or I can spot like an interesting uh, subdirection for the podcast to go in or something like that. Point is, I'm always thinking about that and trying to work on that and improve that. But I think many of those podcasts, even the ones that are active and still going, the reason they never get anywhere is because they're not growing. They're not learning. They're not trying to, you know, better themselves each and every time. Like th- there's people that I've seen, they've got way more than the episodes than I have. But they don't really... They just throw them out. Do you know what I mean? They just, just like, mm-hmm. whatever. Oh, okay, now 200 episodes. And it's like, okay, great. But like, how many of those are like memorable? You know, how many uh, moments were, were memorable? Like, a thing for me that really helps is 
after every single episode, I cut it up into clips, which I have to do anyway, right? But it's, it's good because it forces me to watch it back. Whoops. And uh, kind of look at like, okay, was this a good episode? Where were the good moments, the highlights? Because that's what you're going to put into the clips. And uh, every single time I managed to find them, which suggests to me that I'm doing something right. Okay, yeah, it's, it's subjective. But if I couldn't find any and it was just boring, even for me, then it would be like there would be a problem there. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that, that is, a, is a big factor. It's like the replayability of your podcast. Can you come back to this in a year from now and appreciate it? Or is it just total rubbish? <laughs> Not worth your time, you know? That's just my two cents on that. Yeah, no, I completely understand. Um, I think about that too, is uh, as I'm like progressing towards um, podcasting in like a professional atmosphere, I've been, I've been really taking a lot of time to sit back and say, you know, if I'm going to produce, um, cause there's, for me personally, there's absolutely no way for me to take silent journeys and, and monetize it because I would just feel really scummy. Like how can I monetize people sharing their deepest and darkest moments in their life? And and like, how can I, you know, monetize getting uh, people talking about mental health? Like to me, I, I, I just don't feel right doing that. And so um, I've been like also sitting back and kind of thinking like um, what podcast can I uh, engage in and produce that um, can be marketed and, and, you know, be a, a professional source of income while also producing, you know, it's not just targeted towards like trends and, and things that are going to bring in sponsors. How can I produce quality audio that, you know, is, is going to be timeless and people can continue to appreciate and I can come back to it and feel that same way like you do, where I can go through while editing and just like really pick out like all these great moments and, and sit back and say, okay, that, that was a great episode every time. And I'll add to this as well. It's so tough to to get people interested. You know, like I've been doing this podcast now since, I mean, I still kind of early days, but since June of uh, 2020. And um, I'd say some of the key things that have changed is I've kind of slowed it down a little bit. Uh, I I go based on on the demand. And what I mean by that is... um, Every month I'm, I'm looking for guests and, and such. And I'm always kind of booked ahead. So like right now I'm booked up until like the end of May going into June, right? But April was a lot, you know, busier, you know, episode after episode after episode, right? But I made sure to try and give myself breathers between each episode and stuff like that. And May is even, there's even less episodes, right? Uh, but it's good. I think that's a, a very key thing to do because A, less is more. <laughs> B, you know, you, you you don't realize until you start doing podcasting like how much is actually involved in it. And I won't go into details because I've I've said it a million times. I don't want to bore the listeners. But um yeah, there is a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And as a person, particularly when it's just you doing everything, that can really weigh on you. And mm-hmm. you don't want to like end up resenting it or hating it. You know, and no one likes editing, no one likes doing that. But at the same time, it's got to be done. So I think if, if you have it less often, it gives people, you know, a chance to kind of soak in the last episode. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, just in general, that seems to work for me, you know, on my main channel. Um, I don't always upload stuff. I'll have like several days where I don't upload anything. And I think it actually 
helps in a weird way you know there's different schools of thought some people say you should upload every single day and always do that and other people say you shouldn't and you know people have asked me like what what's the um uh frequency of the podcast and i typically just say like you know several times a week but they'll they'll normally say like oh is it bi-monthly is it monthly is it weekly and i I didn't even think about it because originally i thought shall i set myself a day every week Mm -hmm. that to me is is like too stressful and and that sounds crazy because like no i i completely understand like i i feel like so many people think like podcasting it's like you have to produce like you you know you have to have like a set production schedule you need to have it come out you know every week or every two weeks or like once a month but like you have to have it on a set day set time at this at like a set frequency and it and it kind of like to me that just stifles creativity and and can so easily lead to uh diminished quality uh productions and i'm like i i wish people would be more experimental and and more comfortable releasing not on a set schedule uh you know releasing you know maybe i'll do six episodes this month but i'll only do like two the next month because uh, it's just what was quality and, you know, not, uh, and I'm so guilty of, uh, of this as well. Like I, uh, I try very hard to stick to a schedule too. silent journeys doesn't always happen as much because, um, you know, sometimes I just can't find guests, but I, sometimes I'll beat myself up. Like, ah, oh, I can't, I can't find anyone. How can I stick to, I try to do every other week, you know, putting out an episode and when I can't do it, sometimes I beat myself up and I have to remind myself, like, how much do I advocate for? people not having to stick to a strict schedule and um especially when it when you're trying to produce quality content yeah you know it's funny you say that i remember when i started up my podcast like the first thing i i sort of was concerned with was like firstly it was topics because i thought it was just going to be uh, discussion based and uh, i thought it was just going to be me as well because i wanted to have guests but i figured like oh that's going to be really hard getting guests every week right mm-hmm. <laughs> And then it became more of an interview podcast. Like, you know, I've been doing much more um, discussion-based stuff recently, but, you know, predominantly it's, it's an interview-based podcast and I think it works better that way. It's, it's more interesting for me, to be honest. When I just do it myself, it just feels like a standard video. I mean, I have to still go through the same process of, of preparing it, but it's like, it's just not as fun, right? um but to be honest now that's my like last resort that's like if i couldn't find any guests ever and i don't know i've i've been very lucky in that regard i mean um i'll I'll throw out some resources there for podcasters that don't know people that are setting up go check out matchmaker go check out pod it uh go check out all the different subreddits on on reddit and also reach out to people as well, you know, in places like Instagram. Like sometimes I'll get guests from random places. Like I started playing around with uh, TikTok recently and, uh, you know, I set up one for myself for just for my own content and then one for, for the podcast. And I actually found uh, a guest that I'm going to have on the show next month through that. So that there's different ways to do this, but I think when you can't let the panic set in and uh, to get to my main point with all of this is like, I do have like a, <laughs> like um, an Excel sheet somewhere with like a bunch of, you know, topics I could potentially do. And it's like, I've never needed to go to it because I've always had guests. There's never been any form of a drought. And you know what? I put that down to, and 
I think it's a combination of a couple of things. One is the setup, you know, like you don't need to have loads and loads of episodes every month. I think even just one a week, that that's enough. If you think that, you know, you're going to clip it up anyway, uh, let's say that's the only content you ever did, right? You did one podcast every week and you had some clips, right? The clips, you know, depends on how many you do. I kind of go crazy with mine, but uh, you could have like five or six clips or something, right? And that's, that's a week right there. That's a week. It doesn't need to be any more than that, right? If you want to do more, that's up to you. But, you know, like I said before, it, it depends on the, on the demand. Like sometimes you have more, sometimes you have less. But now, crucially, I don't panic when there's less because it's like, okay, then there's less. That's fine. And especially, I think, once you've built up a lot more, you know, like uh, we've got, I think, 88 episodes now. This is 88th episode. Um, there's a lot of stuff to, for people to go back to, you know, if, if there's no new content, so to speak. And um, I don't know. I, I, think, I think it's the sort of thing where if you, if you have certain goals and you keep doing what you, what you want to do and, and keep pushing with your vision, then it will work out. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, if, if, you, if it's an interview-based podcast, people will come. People are always looking to promote themselves, um, I think one of the benefits of being set up on those websites like Matchmaker and Podit is that you can just set yourself up on there and people will contact you. So that saves you time having to go mm-hmm. and find people. Because it used to be that I would just go on Reddit every month or so and be like, hey guys, I need guests. And then I just hope to God that people would message. And normally they do. It goes crazy and, you know, woo. Um, exactly just, the same for me. Yeah, I, I, just blasting Reddit every couple of weeks and then like, I tried out matchmaker and people messaged me and I was like, Oh, this saves me so much more time. And then those people know people that would be interested. And I'm like, beautiful, beautiful. Cause those like person to person recommendations have been phenomenal for me. Yeah. Do, I want to add to this as well. Do you, do you get, cause I want to rant a little bit for just, just a minute or two. Okay. Do you get people that contact you through places like Reddit? No, not Reddit. Sorry. Uh, matchmaker and, and, and pod it. And, and they don't say like, oh, hello, Mike, blah, blah, blah. They just post a blurb at you. Yeah. What the hell is that? I don't know. It's, it's I guarantee what this is, is the, the person has some kind of like product or something, you know, that they want to promote. And what it is, is they hired somebody to uh... just blanket contact as many podcasts as possible to try and get their person on. And sometimes like, they're just an overreach. I had somebody that wanted to come on to my mental health podcast to talk about dermatology. And I was like, you're missing the mark just a little bit because I put myself as a health category. And so they're like, Oh, I'll just shoot this. I'm like, so you didn't read like the first five words of my podcast description before you sent me this link, this whole like bio. I'm like, no. And, and that's definitely that. I think that reflects more so on the person they hired to just like do this because the person like the person that wants to be interviewed hired like some freelancer is like you know i'll give you 20 bucks or whatever if you just like shoot get me you get me booked on a bunch of uh interview podcasts or or something to talk about my product and it's so disappointing because it's so frustrating especially on this end to deal with yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've said this on the podcast before about people contacting me just in general being like, hey, check out my content. Hey, check out this thing. Hey, check out this. No. Piss off. 
And when it comes to the podcast, it's like, I mean, okay, maybe I, I just get a bit too riled up with this, but I'm like, no, 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 no. Say hello, say, state your intentions and, and, you know, form a connection, form a conversation with me. Yeah. Like when they post those blurbs, like, I'll be honest, like the first time I see it, I mean, yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's probably exactly what it is. But I kind of just thought like, what are they just, do they expect me to be like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, yes, I would love to have you on my show. Mm-hmm. Like what? Like, no. Do you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the whole point as well about that, that, that interaction is it, you're not necessarily going to have that person on your show. Like, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I don't, there's only like one or two people I've ever rejected. Um, and one of them was because they were just underage and I just didn't feel it was appropriate. Um, like not too young, but just like, I think they were like 15, 16 or something. And I've, I've had in the very beginning of the podcast, I had very young people on the show and I treated it like I would with any other, like, you know, exchange. But then later on, I was like, do you know what? I just don't feel like this would be appropriate anymore. And I sort of just drew a line under that. And, you know, you can still go back and then hear those and they sound like perfectly normal interviews, but it's just like, I felt like if you're doing podcast and you're interviewing someone, I think it's better to, if they're of age and it's, you know, they're able to, you know, just understand exactly what's going on and everything. If you know what I mean? Um, so that's like my only real pre- uh, prerequisite. Other than that, I guess it would be like uh, no hate, centered people are hateful people i don't know i mm. mean I, I basically never say no in, unless it's like that or like if it was a hardcore business situation whether because like you know, i've had business owners contact me and and they've been on the show and they've been excellent guests you know we spoke about um about their business obviously and their product but then we also spoke about just business in general and i got to pick their brains about a bunch of things and that made it more interesting and i think that's better and they know that as well it's better for their business because it's like hey here's the person behind the business here's what they've got to offer here's what you're kind of buying into do you know what i mean you're buying into that person's knowledge and expertise and blah 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 blah. so it works better as a marketing tool in general for, for that for their company uh, but when it's just someone who just wants to come on and just be like, you know, hey, buy my product. And then that's it. It's like, what is this? Come on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. Um, this whole thing with podcasting, I think it's just a, it's a journey, really, isn't it? It's you're, you're always building and growing. And I suppose for me, I'm pretty interested to see where it goes. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think since there aren't that many active podcasts, it'll be interesting to see if that number deteriorates as we sort of slowly return to normal. Out of the I, pandemic. I'm really interested to see how many pandemic podcasts actually end up like continuing and how many of those kind of fall through. Um, and are they replaced? Are, you know, more people going to produce podcasts after the pandemic is over or, you know, as life returns to normal and people are more interested in getting out and, and getting away from home? Yeah, see, the, and, and you're shaking your head no, and I, I completely agree. I think we are going to see a dramatic shift in like the number of podcasts available. I think the few that, you know, the few pandemic podcasts that shot up in popularity uh, and, you know, gained like a strong audience and have turned into revenue generating opportunities. I think we'll see, we'll see those continue for obvious reasons, but I think a majority of, uh, I think a lot of these hobby, uh, ones that were started just because out of boredom and nothing else to do in the pandemic. I, I think that we're going to see a, a huge drop in, in those. 
even with these top revenue earning ones, I still don't think they'll last very long if the people operating those shows don't seek to improve them because it's still a form of content. Like if you're watching it on YouTube, let's say you're watching one of them on YouTube, right? Especially with YouTube because it's videographic content, right? You want to see something that differs every time and and really is intriguing and interesting and, and makes you think or compels you or even just distracts you for however long, right? But if it's just literally like a few people just laughing, like, you know, looking at some dumb stuff on the internet like because that's some of the ones that i've seen like there's oh fuck it i'll say it um so the hp hp podcast right that's the one big one right a couple of years ago i used to think this is actually pretty good they had some really good guests on the show i was like hey fair enough you know they, they weren't podcasters in the beginning but now they are kind of grooving into it and in more recent years i just feel like it's it's not the same anymore it's like very it feels kind of lazy to be honest it feels like there's not much effort put into it i mean the whole frenemies thing is kind of cool i like that i think there's a nice dynamic there there's at least some kind of thought and effort that goes into that but they're actual just standard one it literally just feels like two people and, and their, their team just sitting and chatting and sometimes it's interesting you know, sometimes I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I don't ever watch because the clips are sometimes interesting. But I feel like to listen to an entire podcast of it, that's not as interesting. I don't feel for two hours, three hours. Because okay, when you condense down that two or three hours into into clips, great, best moments. But can you sit and listen to that for two to three hours in one sitting and it still be interesting? Because I know there are people that follow me that listen to the entire podcast. They might not do it all in one sitting. You know, I know there's sometimes they'll listen to like half an hour here. They'll listen to the next hour, another day. But they still listen to the whole thing because they deem that it has value. And they know, for instance, I won't clip up everything. I'm not going to clip up every single thing from the episode. Um, and I guess that's my overall point with this is if you're doing those long form podcasts, I think even if you're at the very top, you know, I know they're successful. I know they've got a very good brand and everything. And, but the thing is they built that brand through high quality, diverse content, right? Whereas I don't feel that that's really the case anymore with the podcast. And it's not just them. I'm not just trying to sit and attack hatred, hatred. There's many podcasts that are like this and many of them have started in the po- uh, in the pandemic. Some of them have just started in, in the podcasting craze over the last five or so years, you know, but it'll be interesting to see if they continue and continue to be successful because, you know, podcasters like ourselves, you know, we're trying to make a living at this because we like podcasting. We enjoy it, you know, for me personally, it's it's the interviewing. I love interviewing people. Like I, I imagine that one day I might turn this into a show or something. Maybe, I don't know. There's there's different ways it could go. But I, I just love the concept of interviewing people and I'll never get bored of that. And my goal is to just get better and better and better and better. But like, I feel like you can't just get stagnant. You can't just stop. You know what I mean? You can't be like, okay, well, we're successful now. We have a big audience. So now we just don't bother anymore. We don't put as much effort in. Like, I feel like you'll lose your audience. You know what I mean? You're not giving the the audience the reason to stay. Mm. Just because they're here now doesn't mean they're going to be here in a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. This is what I think. Yeah, I think you're right on the nail there, so. (laughs) Um, 
let's 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 put a bow on the podcasting section of this what tips could you give to budding podcasters oh man um what tips that i could give uh for budding podcasters would be just i mean the uh, the big one that i see a lot that i i would also echo is just do it you know if you can't sit on you know your idea forever and generate you know get a backlog of 20 episodes and then start just get out there and do it like if you're if you're passionate about a topic absolutely go for it and i think the future of podcasting there's there's a really big future for niche podcasts and so you know if you are really passionate about fishing and you just want to share fishermen stories and and go on about that do it just do it don't be afraid to get on the mic and you know if you're like i i just don't have the money to buy a microphone just use your just use your iphone sure the audio quality isn't going to be the greatest but what pulls in a guest is or what pulls in a listener is the quality of the content not the quality of audio and don't get me wrong if the audio is just absolutely god awful yes okay that's going to pull some people away but at the end of the day, people care so much more about what they are hearing rather than, you know, are there a few mic scratches? Uh, it, are there a few coughs that got left in? Sure, like that happens. But that doesn't mean that it takes away from the overall quality of the experience that the, that the listener is getting from, from you sharing this, you know, ridiculous story of how you caught a largemouth bass uh, out of, you know, some insane uh, pond somewhere. Um, you know, it, it, if your niche is that you really love woodworking and, uh, you just want to share your tips on woodworking and talk about projects and, and just do that, go for it. Like whatever that is, uh, whatever you're passionate about, if you also care about podcasting, don't, don't be afraid to sit down with a mic, sit down with your phone, talk about what you want to talk about and just put it out there. You know, I, I think, and if you're worried about, oh, you know, like, you know, what if none of my friends are interested in this and that's what's holding you back, throw it out there. You know, you're gonna, you're, you know, you're throwing out that net on your social media and you, on your personal ones. And you're just saying, Hey, I, I'm doing this thing because I enjoy it. People care about you and people want to know, like people want to hear more about what you care about. Even your best friends can learn more about you, uh, especially through something like podcasting wish it was like that for me <laughs> since like when i started like i don't know very few people that i know have actually showed an interest i think that's a story in my life to be <laughs> moving it forward um people's thoughts on multi-content creators tend to be quite mixed you know some people say we release too much content and we should just focus on a particular niche others say variety is the spice of life where do you stand on that uh th- I love producing content it just in different forms, whatever the medium that content is being produced on. Like I can just find myself getting lost producing uh, all sorts of different content. So I tried out, uh, I did a, you know, YouTubing for the last couple of months, just to like video logs of my content creation, just to like build up skills and stuff. And, and uh, so like, I just talked about like the different projects I had open and okay. um, cause I was, uh, I had tried to do uh this uh there was a one year length uh youtube channel called unis honest where they Uh, they created one video every day for a year and that and that was something that really like inspired me to like really kick up my game 
and, and, and do more, uh, content creation. And so I started creating something one, uh, one day or one thing every single day, of course that got trailed off just because life is too difficult and, you know, you get distracted. And so, um, the, the vlog was started as a way to, uh, keep myself like grounded and, and try to stay focused on, you know, like, Oh, I got to create this vlog. I got to talk about what I did that week. And so it kind of helps me keep accountable to creating something every day. Um, and it was also an opportunity to kind of develop video editing skills and, and learn, like see that process behind, behind the screen, so to speak, uh, or behind the curtain. Um, I'm sorry. What was the question? I think I got <laughs> lost there. <laughs> no basically i just wanted to know what you make of like the criticisms that people have because mm. okay the reason i ask this is because i don't often meet other fellow multi-content creators normally it's like okay this is my thing this is what i do maybe i have some other interests but predominantly i'm this thing whereas for me i've always been you know actor musician podcaster mm. um you know many different things um and i refuse to stick to one because that's just not what i want to do and there's a lot of people that are critical of that and say you know oh it's stunting your ability to grow or you know you'll never build an audience because you know you're not focusing on a niche or whatever and i just wanted to know like what you think about that like do you agree with that disagree and why uh i think uh, flat out i i would disagree with that i think uh following your creative passions and engaging whatever whatever mediums uh, you care about and you want to produce content in, I think that it's possible to, you know, kind of spread yourself out a little bit and engage in these different platforms and still have, you know, an audience. They may not transfer between, you might have smaller audiences for, uh, you know, your YouTube versus your uh, podcast versus um, some other creative outlet you have. Uh, but at the end of the day, I guess, you know, ask yourself, why are you creating this content? Is it to engage in your passion? If so, then what does it matter if you don't have a large audience? What does it matter, you know, if you have uh, several different small audiences for each of the platforms you're on? Um, if I mean, if your if your goal is to obviously make a career and like, hey, like I just want to make a bunch of money from podcasting, or I just want to be a really big YouTuber, then then maybe you know consider focusing in a lot more. Um, but ultimately, I, I am always a full supporter of pursuing whatever creative passion you have, and if it means stringing yourself out between different platforms, go for it. Um, obviously beware, you know, I think multi-content creators run into this burnout issue, uh, pretty easily spreading yourself out too thin, but just if that's who you are, then, then check in on yourself and, and know, like recognize the, your own personal signs of burnout and, and begin to learn how to take some self-care and, and, uh, and how to learn how to rejuvenate yourself. But I, fully support anyone that wants to be like a multi-content creator just go for it i think it's i think it also allows you to express more creativity um it, it getting to pursue different options and different ways of doing it if you uh you know if you have different creative outlets you have more of an opportunity to uh explore your uh creative side just a little bit more i think you mentioned earlier that you're sort of doing like vlogs of um 
Yeah, so I guess of you, you doing your podcast, you're talking about your projects. Is that right? Yeah. So it's kind of like a weekly recap where I would talk about like how I engaged in podcasting that week, what I did okay. and like what I'm looking forward to. And then, uh, so I would like break it up into sections where I talked about like different, the different, uh, creative outlets I have and, and like how, like I've worked on one or the other over that last week. So have you, are you doing any kind of other types of, or do you intend to release any other types of content on YouTube and Twitch? Uh, so I'm getting ready to do a major career shift. Um, it's, it's kind of already started, okay. uh, but that full launch of, of moving into, uh, creative freelancing starts, um, on May 1st. Um, I've kind of already started engaging in it, um, just to kind of start getting my name out there and get some smaller projects, you know, uh, just cause, you know, get some testimonials and that kind of thing. Uh, but with that, um, that, you know, free time, quote unquote, you know, where I'm not working and I'm not in class or, you know, because I'm taking classes right now. Um, what are you studying? Uh, well, I was studying student affairs, so I was trying to get my master's oh, degree. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so all of that is being left behind as I choose to pursue creative freelancing instead. Um, so we're, we're seeing a major dramatic shift in my, in my career trajectory, but I think this is what's best for me. Uh, and so, um, so, so what's, what's the creative freelancing going to be in then? Yeah. So obviously I would prefer to be focused in podcasting, you know, offering editing services, uh, producer services, whatever that can look like. But, uh, you know, while I'm trying to navigate that way in the field and, and create a name for myself, as far as like among the, my freelancing peers for podcasting work, uh, I'm also looking at opportunities of like how, what, what's similar and transferable. And so one of the things I've come to is, um, project management and I have a lot of project management experience from, uh, higher education, uh, which is what I've been working in. And so, like also looking for those opportunities, uh, maybe not directly with podcasting, but whatever, what other creative outlets are looking for project managers that I can kind of get involved with and um, start working more closely with other creatives. Awesome. Well, best of luck with that. I hope it goes well. Um, let's talk about your comic book writing. So when did you get into comics um, and also just comic book writing in general? Yeah. So I um, got into podcasting or podcasting. Look, so on top, so on that today. Um, comic books. I got into comic books. I think I was about, I was either 14 or 15 years old and I walked into a thrift store and somebody had just donated a full box of DC and Marvel comics. Oh, wow. And I looked at that and I was like, I've never seen a comic book outside of TV before. And so I picked it up and the very first comic I picked up was an issue one of the green arrow and i was like okay cool why not i'll buy this and so i bought a couple of comic books i don't even remember what the other ones were the the green arrow was just the one i remember the most and it was the first one i picked up and uh from there green arrow has always been like my number one favorite like superhero even though green arrow doesn't really have any superpowers uh <laughs> and and so I've, I guess I've been a fan of comic books ever since then. Uh, I enjoyed the short form format uh, 
with with you know combining the pictures and and being able to tell that story in 24 pages and uh like it's just i guess i've just found that medium to be very entertaining and i'd never thought about writing my own comic book until october of this last year and I, at the time, was actually writing um, a novel. I got about 25,000 words in it. And I was like, kind of starting to feel burnout. And I was like, okay, what else, how else can I write this story um, in a way that's perhaps more entertaining and I can do in smaller chunks? And so I was like, what about a comic book? And so I've switched stories up a little bit and, um, so I was like, okay, let's let I can produce this comic, and so I'll do like a series. Um, and I haven't really decided how long that series is, but I'm, and that's you know I spent the last three four months um, just really building out the world. I have this world pretty built out already because it's the same one that I've played Dungeons and Dragons with my friends in for several years. Like it's an entirely home built world, and all of us have played characters in it and whatever. And so we've we've done a lot of like co world building in it, and then you know, spending the last few months, like really shoring up the different details and creating these characters and, and solidifying what this world looks like and, and, you know, kind of the laws of it. And so, um, and now I'm, uh, I've got this comic book, you know, written up, uh, it's pretty much done being drafted, sent off to the artist and uh, Kickstarter launch, launches in June. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh, what's your Kickstarter goal? Uh, so the goal is only a thousand dollars. I don't, um, I have, I know, I know, uh, I have, um, enough money and savings to mostly pay for this being comfortable, but you know, life circumstances as they are, uh, I will need, you know, a little, a little bit of assistance to get this project off the ground and Kickstarter, uh, maybe. yeah, exactly. And so I just need a <laughs> little, little Kickstarter to, to get this going and, uh, or finished really. And so, uh, a good, like I said, it's written, it's sketched out, and the draft is well underway. We'll be launching the Kickstarter with several pages to show, like, this is something that's actually being produced. You know, I, this may be my first comic that I'm, you know, putting out there, but uh, I can at least provide you a preview of the quality of the writing and the quality of the art to show, you know, like this, this will be worth your, your 10, 10 or $15 uh, to back it and, um, and receive your own physical copy of it. Um, but yeah, so it's, you know, it's a low Kickstarter goal. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm dipping into my savings a little bit for this project, but it, I really believe in it. And I have, um, a really deep love for this world and the characters that I, um, am going to be presenting, you know, to, to our world through this comic book. And, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just very excited to actually see this, you know, hold this project in my hands. What can you tell us about this, uh, this comic, this main character, villains? Any, what, what can you tell us about this comic book that you're ma making? Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, this comic is taking place right at the end of an age uh, in, in this world, the world is called Alorm, and the story is going to focus on these mastiff riders. And so they're they're just little halflings that ride around on on mastiffs, like dogs. Uh, and so they're kind of cavalier knights who are kind of a secretive order, and they're they're all about uh, preserving and and um, protecting 
their their people and so they kind of live on the fringes of society looking for looking for any threats they might pose and so they're going to be some of the first people who see like the the beginning changes that are going to happen on this continent and so ultimately uh there's like this demonic army that will be invading the continent and it happens after the comic book and so this is kind of like a prelude to this major world shift where there's a lot of devastation um and a lot hmm. of changes that are brought to everything that they know. And so these characters are uh, going, going to be going through a journey of investigating uh, these threats to their, to their families and their friends. And, um, and it's, it's a little, it's a dark fantasy. And so it's not going to necessarily be a happy ending, uh, but it's going to deal a lot with kind of, I'm pulling in this like familiarity with mental health. And so I'm going to be exploring uh, some feelings of isolation and, uh, and uh, oh, you know, this overstress on the mind and uh, these tricks that are being played, played on them mentally. Uh, and so we're going to be exploring some like internal factors of like the stress of war and, um, and what can really happen after being exposed to danger constantly as, as the series progresses. That sounds really interesting, man. I can't think of any major comic books that stand out where they've kind of tackled the mental health aspect of things. Obviously, maybe trauma to some extent in, in certain comics. But yeah, is there any particular comics you take inspiration from as far as it pertains to that? Uh you know, I can't say that I have uh, that that I have any particular like comic series that I, I'm taking inspiration from. I'm trying to. Uh, I haven't explored. I have not explored similar uh, comic stories to this of like dealing with trauma because I want to try and keep this mm. uh, a little bit more fresh and a little bit more original based on just like uh, my own interpretations and and you know not being professionally trained in comic book writing. I think this gives me a little bit of an opportunity to come in uh, not being influenced because if I was to like really sit down and like invest and like investigate how comic book writers have like told these stories, I feel like having not been professionally trained, I might try to pull subconsciously. I might try to pull Mm. like like their ways of doing things. And so that's one of the reasons like I've been trying to, you know, stay away from, from similar stories to try and keep it a little bit more original, a little bit less influenced. Yeah, no, that's, that's very logical. Um, yeah, best best of luck with that. It sounds really like amazing. Do you have a, a working name for it yet? Or yeah, so it's gonna be called the Last of the Mastiff Writers. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, best of luck with that. And um, yeah, I hope I hope you achieve your goal real soon. It doesn't seem that far away, June. I think that's that's doable. A thousand seems. Yeah. I think that's a more sensible way to go about it. A lot of people I see that you know they have like a goal of like ten thousand or something, and it seems mm-hmm. really high. Whereas if you set a smaller goal of like a thousand, I think you're more likely to surpass that and and go further. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of less is more kind of concept. But yeah, best of luck with that. Um, what's the biggest life lesson that you've learned in your life? What a question that is. The biggest life lesson I have learned in life. Um, hmm. I think the biggest life lesson I've, I've learned is just 
the value of commitments and hard work. Um, I was raised in um, a single uh, single parent household, um, and I was the oldest of of uh, four, and so a lot of the times um, responsibility was shifted towards me to help get my siblings ready for school and, and get their homework started and, and stuff like that. Cause my mom would work up to three jobs trying to support us and, you know, provide uh, everything that, um, that she could. And so this like hard work and, and strong work ethic was kind of instilled at me in an early age and like this need for responsibility. And so, uh, and I see that my mom has absolutely risen uh, to uh, an entirely different, um, a much more elevated uh, economic status because of just like her constant hard work of, you know, working three jobs and, and, you know, not, you know, maybe she didn't rest as much as she should have and taken that like uh, self-care um, that we so often enforce and that I definitely, um, try to encourage in my friends and, and myself. Uh, but her, her commitment has absolutely returned dividends and, and seeing like from when I was a kid to where she is now and seeing that growth has, you know, is phenomenal, especially when it's your own mother getting to see these, um, getting to see that change. And so I think that in turn has just been my biggest life lesson is just, you know, you, commitment and 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 responsibility and that work ethic so i grew up in a single parent family as well um but by comparison i mean just first of all well done to your mom that's amazing um if you don't mind i'd like to to sort of ask more questions about that if that's okay yeah absolutely i'm very open so where, where was like the, your father in this situation? I think it would be the first question I'd have. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was deployed in the Middle East uh, for a few years. Okay. Um, uh, and um, absent for, for one reason or another uh, after returning back from the Middle East and uh, going through his own life struggles and uh, the responsibility for us kind of went to the wayside um and so was that like completely tied with the war was that just uh, unrelated uh i think there was some influence yeah absolutely i mean he has um you know some of the things you can expect veterans to come back from who have seen action you know he's got ptsd and some stuff Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. um that, that definitely adds on to, and, you know, kind of compounds some of the issues that, you know, we've had to tackle. Um, and I don't mean to say he was never there, but uh, not there enough, I think is, is the best way of, of putting that. Yeah. Cause I, I had a similar situation growing up, like to say my dad was never in my life would be a lie, but like he kind of left when I was like quite young, about two years old or something. And I didn't really have like a relationship with him until much later, maybe mm-hmm. 10, 11. And that was because of my stepmom. Uh, she reinforced that because she was like a, a big family person. Um, it's not like my mom didn't try to, to, to force that with me and my dad, but it just never happened before then. And in fairness, they, they were like really young parents. So, you know, 
my dad needed to become a man as well. Do you know what I mean? He had his own stuff mm-hmm. that he was contending with and it's all gravy now. Everything's good now, but it's just like, it's difficult to understand that when you're a kid, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, I guess what I wanted to know, uh, I mean, there's so many things I could ask you, but um, what, what were the, what were the kind of different things that you and, and, and your siblings had to kind of contend with, as a result of, you know, it's a single parent family. And obviously with, with your mom working so many, so many hours in the day, there's only so much kind of attention she can really give all of you. Like, was it boys and girls, but only boys, any girls? What's yeah. Uh, the two of us, us two oldest are boys and then two girls after that. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and you, yeah, you said you're their eldest, right? Yes. So at what age did you really start to kind of feel, uh, not, not pressure exactly, but like that your mom was leaning more to you, like, hey, I need your help kind of thing? Honestly, I don't really remember a time where I didn't have some additional level of responsibility. Um, I guess like before I can even really remember, um, I was definitely like, helping my mom and you know sometimes being uh, a shoulder for her and and her oh know, wow part of, part of her support um yeah because i uh, i just assumed you meant you meant just like you know menial tasks so like you mean like an emotional crunch as well yeah uh, yeah absolutely uh not wow. just helping raise you know being a co-parent um which is also interesting because sometimes that's led to a strain on the relationship especially with uh my brother's only um, f- 15 or 16 months younger than me. Mm-hmm. And so that, uh, uh, that dynamic has also caused, um, you know, some strain, uh, obviously things are, are far better now that we're fully adult, but do, do you mean like they have different relationships with your mom compared to you? Uh, it was more so just like, it was difficult. Cause like, you're my brother, you, you know, what are you doing bossing me around like this? But at the same uh... time, like, you know, like frustrations of, uh, stop, don't try to be our dad when we have a dad and, and, um, you know, you're only a little bit older than me. You can't be telling me what chores to do, that kind of thing. It's tricky though, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. like I remember like with my mom, she kind of had to like play the role of both parents, you know, and, and here and there, like certain father figures would come in and out of my life, but it wasn't really until my now stepdad came into my life at like, I guess 12 or 13 that like I really started to have like a, if you want like a new normal nuclear families per se, but interestingly he he chose to kind of take a a sort of a side seat and let my mum just continue with that. Not because he didn't want to get involved, but like he felt that that was more the right thing to do. And I think he was right in in doing that. I respected that. Um, and he was still a father figure anyway, you know, so it worked out, it worked out nicely. Um, but it is very interesting because now I've got like a younger brother uh, who's still a kid now. I think he's like nine or 10 or something. And uh, I don't remember because I've got four brothers, one on my mom's side, three on my dad's side. So it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of them. Right. Just, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's the youngest. And um it's a very different relationship naturally. And I imagine it's the same for you as well. Like, because 
you you spend so much time being there because like for for many years me and my mum were like like more like friends like there was always that dynamic always always the respect always that's just that will always be there but it was also like yeah we would confide in each other and yeah there would be that and like she'll never have that with with my younger brother like Mm -hmm. they might be very close and they you know what I mean but it'll never be quite like that because and I think it's it comes more down to when you have a kid at a young age. Like my parents were like seventeen when they had me, so she, in her twenties I was like you know becoming. I was a child, and then you know by the time she's thirty, I'm in my teen years, which is kind of weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's very much the same for me. And my parents were uh, eighteen and nineteen. They, when, yeah, exactly when they had the same. Me, so yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's odd. It really is especially when you i think when you you start hitting like 16 17 18 19 mm-hmm. 20s suddenly like i remember trying to get used to that like oh okay i'm an adult now and and you treat me like an adult but you've always kind of treated me like an adult but now yeah. now it's like we've pretty much just removed that whole parent thing mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i know what you mean because it's like that starts from a young age like w- when you're in that kind of a situation Obviously, for yourself, it's a, it's a bit more different. Um, as you laid out there, like you had to be in more of a kind of like father-like role. Um, let's explore that a little bit. So, like, did you kind of have to teach? Oh, I don't know. Okay, like let's take like your you, the brother under you. Did you have to teach him like man stuff? for example <laughs> I, well here's the thing i i didn't have anyone i didn't really have men to teach me man stuff either like my yeah. mom you know taught me how to pee on a tree you know at when we're out camping you know like it's, it's stuff like that like it was my mom teaching me and so it's not like i could you know then take that and teach my brother like we you know kind of we were close enough in age that we were definitely learning these things together um but i we were both kind of fumbling in the dark so to speak um yeah because you know my mom can you know teach me as much as she knows but you know at the end of the day she's not a man so she doesn't know all the little things so it's tricky isn't it? yeah it's the same for me like i th- it wasn't until i got into my mid-20s that i started to realize like why it's so important as a, as a man growing up or a boy growing up why you need a father figure um and also to a lesser to a greater extent sorry um why it's important to just have both parents from the get-go early on you know um but i think for 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 a boy becoming a man like you you need someone to teach you all these things uh and it's more to do with things like how to deal with this situation like i had to teach myself how to be like calm when when there's panic or like things that you know what i mean because a lot of the time uh, especially these days that the guy is expected to kind of absorb a lot of that and, and kind of be that um, calm, responsible person. Uh, like we can't really like break down. Like I know society says that we're, we're supposed to be able to now and we are the beginning to see that, but I feel like in actuality, when, when you go into like business situations uh, like situations where there's a lot of pressure there's still that expectation upon men to kind of not crack you know what mm-hmm. i mean it doesn't matter what society is saying that's great but like 
in actuality, what you have to deal with is very different. You know, an employer, for instance, I always use the example of employers. They might say, oh, we're weak opportunities. We, we, we're caring. We, you know, we want, we want um, to provide support and be there for people and stuff, even when they're dealing with their difficult situations. What they're really saying is like, yeah, no, we, we're ticking off the boxes because this is what society expects. But like, if we find that you're like that, we're going to find a way to remove you in the best way possible. <laughs> that, that's, that's the reality. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, it was very difficult for me growing up to kind of figure out how to do these things. And I feel like the best way to put it is that I had to take the long, hard way around of becoming a man. And I think that like, if I ever become a father, I think at least I'll have something to work with. I'll be able to teach my son or daughter or whatever, like, okay, these are the life lessons. This is what I learned. Here's what to avoid. Here's what to focus on, blah, 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 blah. Um, but this is so important. It's so, so important. And like, I didn't really, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I had like a stepdad around, but like, he, I think like he always kind of wondered like, well, what is my place here? Like, I know I can help a bit, but like, I don't feel it's my, really my place to, to maybe be as forthcoming as I'd like to be. And I understood that position. I probably would be the same in his position. You know what I mean? It's, do you know what I mean? Cause I have a father, you know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. out there. Do you know what I mean? And, and I have a relationship with him and, and obviously these days it's, it's totally fine. Everything's fine. It's, do you know what I mean? But, but when I, in the formative years, when arguably it's, it's most important, you don't realize quite how what happens to you as a child has such a drastic effect on when you're an adult and like because when I was a kid I was like oh you know I had it pretty easy like okay you know we, we kind of had like we grew up in a poor household things were difficult and such but like I had what I needed and you know there wasn't anything particularly traumatic and you know we got to adulthood right mm-hmm. but then when you start seeing yourself in emotional situations particularly in relationships I find that's when you really start to figure out like, oh, wow, i got some problems, stuff I need to work on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can, yeah, absolutely. Because I remember uh, there's two things. Like first, that relationship, like absolutely. My mom had a, um, unfortunately, uh, did struggled finding um, uh, a competent partner. And, oh, right, yeah. And so um, just seeing some of these male figures come into my life and just like them being wrecks of just like, uh, there was a lot of things about relationships that I just was not able to learn from either of my parents because neither one of them were having particularly healthy relationships. Uh, and the second thing you talked about these things like that happen in your childhood that like carry over into your adult life. And one of those for me was that social anxiety that I talked about earlier that podcasting helps me get over. Uh, and, and what I mean by this is uh, I was so busy trying to be like a pseudo co-parent that I did not spend a lot of time socializing. I almost never went to a friend's house for a sleepover. Uh, They would come to my house, you know, and, and, and if it did happen and, um, and even when they did, like, you know, there was sometimes still expectations that I, you know, uh, or not expectations, but still the need for me to help my siblings sometimes. And so, um, and so I had a very small friend group growing up and I didn't really explore like friendships and, and, uh, and social skills because I just needed to help, you know, uh, help my siblings out. And I just could, and I like 
hey, you know, focus in school too. And so like more time was put towards school and stuff. And so uh, I remember when I was, uh, I was in the 11th grade and my mom sat me down. It was near the end of 11th grade. So I'm almost done with school. Okay. And we're done at, we're done at uh, end of 12th grade, 12th grade. Uh, 12th grade is the end of it. That's when you graduate and, and move so, on. So uh, age 18. Yeah. Okay. Usually, usually about. And so I was, I was, uh, I think I was 17 and my mom sat me down and she's like, I remember this conversation. She sat me down and she's like, you need to go be a kid. And I'm like, what do you mean? I don't understand. She's like, I need you to go mess up i need you to go be a kid i go and make mistakes i need you to go have fun go to football games with your friends like i need you like i am in a place where i can you know take care of all all of our all of your siblings you know i need you to to go and live and i'm and i was i remember being 17 and going what i don't i don't even know how i don't even know what my peers do, you know, I had no idea how to, how to be a kid as she was telling me to do. And so like, there was so much of a learning process and like so many of these like socializing skills that I never really had a full chance to develop, like, like so many of my peers did. And, you know, some of that naturally became just like social anxiety, not knowing how to act or, or talk in, in different social situations. And uh, that has been so much of a development I had through my time at university. And then, uh, and, you know, podcasting has been a phenomenal way of, of like really developing those skills, especially like around talking to, to people I, I'm, you know, know nothing about, know, you know, nothing about or I've never met before or know very little about Um but yeah, things like that are just like these very unique and hard, difficult uh, situations that kind of uniquely occur in family situations like like the like uh, that we both have had growing up. Yes, it's weird. Like, I think, and I've said this to my mom as well over the years, because. Um, you know, we would argue, we would fall out and, and stuff. It happens. But I'll always have, like, a lot of respect for, like, what she did, how she pulled it off. Um, Endless respect. Yeah, it's it's mad. Like, especially now, now that I'm approaching these ages that she would have been and thinking about how my life is and, like, how her life was. And I'm just like... I'm even more grateful now and, and amazed at how it was possible. And she just laughs. She's just like, Oh, you know, it's, you just found a way or whatever. Like you, you just figure it out. I'm like, mm, no, no, no. It, At my age, I would have had, you had three kids. No. Was like, she, she, she used to tell me this is a funny story. So she'd tell me that like, <laughs> like back in the day, this is like nineties, two thousands or whatever. Right. She'd get like letters through the post, right. Where it's like bills. And back in the day, uh, she, like she'd never pay them on time like because she just couldn't afford to right so you'd get like the first bill second bill third bill and the third it was like they changed color so like final bill was always like red and i was just she told me about this and i was like how did you not freak the hell out like how are you not like oh my god i'm gonna lose the house this is gonna happen that's gonna happen and mm-hmm. she's just like oh well you know you just look at it like it's like 
you know, it's it's just delayed. Like you got a bit more time. So like you figure, okay, when it gets to the red, okay, now we've got to act and we've, we've got to try and do something and stuff. But you know, before then, you've you've got a bit of time to work with, <laughs> and you don't you don't care what they say because it's it's just them writing you a letter. Who cares? But once it gets to the red part, it's like now we got now we got to sort this or like bailiffs or come or something. <laughs> um, and she always kept me safe from that sort of stuff. But there was always just funny little things that. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned this a little bit before. Maybe, maybe you'll um, relate to some of this. So like things like uh, like in our house, we had um, a key for the electricity. So like it was like a separate little closet and um, the electricity would always go out. So I'd be sitting there like playing the Xbox or something and it just go off like that. Or like watching TV or I might even be sitting like actually doing homework or something and it just goes off. And at fir the first couple of times it happened, I was like, mom, electricity's gone off again. She's like, I'm sorting it. And basically uh, after a while, I just started doing it myself as I got older. I wouldn't even react. We'd just be like, we'd both pretend it was like a horror movie and we're like, ah, we just like have fun with it. <laughs> but basically what that meant is we'd run out of electricity and uh, you could sort of turn this key hob thing and uh it would give you like electric uh, electric i can't speak emergency electric power uh, i don't know how long for but presumably not that long maybe like a day or something um but she'd then go to like the local store and like buy some more and load up it's like pay as you go i suppose and we had do you ever have something like that or something we had i, don't know. I can't say that i have no i <laughs> i definitely need to like look into this because this is such an interesting i don't know i've never heard of an electricity system like that and so i yeah i definitely this is interesting to me <laughs> did you have any like challenges sort of similar to that anything oh, quirky um hmm. i guess um i'm trying to think here uh my i guess uh, on the topic of finance my mom has always been like very open about it and uh you know like this is this is what we have and and so like understanding what a dollar can buy and like mm. how easy it comes and goes has always been like a, a discussion and something i've been familiar with and and understanding like this is just not something that we have money for right now and and knowing that bills need to come first so, uh has uh, it's been a I, i'm very fortunate in understanding that at such a young age because today like i i'm very good at balancing a checkbook and and knowing how much money i have and how much i'm spending at any given time uh and i track all of this stuff to just to be in the know um and it's probably something i'm always you know say i absolutely win the lottery i guarantee i'm still going to be the person like okay let's see i spent you know 102 dollars on groceries this you know this this week or whatever and tracking yeah. all that i like i it's probably permanently ingrained in me i could be on my deathbed and like oh better update my budget sheet you know and uh so i think uh just always knowing like where we're at in finances and having to balance like okay what can we do to go have fun and be a family while still knowing like this is this is what we have to work with and there's no room to to move that needle i was gonna say like how, how did your mom manage to kind of give you guys sort of a fun childhood with the bare minimum and like don't get me wrong i know parents could be very creative like my mom was very creative too with things like but like what kind of things would she do you know because obviously most kids are like oh i wish i had this i wish i had that you know what i mean like mm -hmm. how, did, how did she navigate that yeah uh 
this is actually the reason why um, this is such a big hobby for me now. Uh, it, board games, board and card games. Uh, that was what quality time was growing up was we would get together and play board and card games. And they were always, uh, I always playing games. I, from long before I could remember, um, I knew how to, I knew how to play Uno. Like once my memory started forming, I, I remember, you know, holding cards and, and playing 31 and, and Skippo, uh, and, and dominoes and whatever that might be. And games like sorry and life and, and monopoly like all of this was like i it was like i was born with this knowledge uh like that's how like that's how you know i guess sacred it was in our family of board and card games and now like i now i collect these and now i collect them and i have a massive collection of board and card games that i will probably never be able to get through all of the games i play i i own uh just because of the sheer amount of them and um I, I guess I've probably dramatized the size of it, but some of these games are quite extensive, like long rule books. I'm like, I'm fascinated by like these deeply intricate games that have 50 page rule books to learn. Uh, and that's why I'll never actually get to them. But um, that was how, you know, we came together and spent that quality time and uh, had such a fun childhood that, and uh, we lived in, um, Idaho, which is a Northwestern state in the U S and it's, uh, it's a low population state with, uh, a lot of mountains and lakes and, uh, rivers and forests. And so we spent a lot of time going camping and, uh, and fishing and, you know, you find ways that are kind of lower cost and, you know, can absorb a lot of time. I spent a lot of my childhood out in the forest, you know, camping and, and uh, just enjoying the outdoors and appreciating uh, nature. It sounds like the perfect childhood, honestly. Mm. Like, you know, it was very similar with, with me and my mom as well. Like, okay, we grew up in London, so we didn't quite have like that. But yeah, I, I remember her taking me, and this, this really helped with my creativity. Uh, I think it's largely responsible for it because she would just take me around like art galleries and mm. museums and stuff and like she, she mm. was studying art at university and stuff so there was some reason but like a lot of the time it was like hey let's just go here let's just go here or like sometimes we'd go there was this place in london that i've got very fond memories of it was a place called the trucadero it was uh sort of near leicester square and it was like um a uh, big massive games arcade and she'd just take me to places like that and we would just have fun because she she was pretty young too she was like i guess she would have been early 20s mid 20s at this point and i was like 9 10 11 whatever right a bit younger and we would just have fun and play games and do stuff like that and like it was just cool i don't know yeah yeah it's just so i i know where you're coming from with that it's it's and there's a lot to be said for that i imagine that all of you guys must have a pretty strong rela uh, relationship with her now because you spent so much time bonding mm -hmm. and stuff right oh absolutely it's i i I couldn't imagine having as deep of a, of a connection with, with, um, with anyone as I do with my mom. Uh, it's just, I mean, how can you not after, you know, two decades of, mm. of just always relying on each other and, you know, co-parenting and supporting one another. And, you know, there, there's to this day, there's no topic that's not up for discussion between us. There's, uh, 
you know, I, some of my friends are just bewildered at the, the lack of, um, I guess privacy between us and, and like it no. bothers, it bothers neither, neither of us. Like we are fully open and transparent about everything in our lives. And sometimes my friends are just like, Whoa, how can you be so open about your mom about like even topics like, like sex and like, how can you talk to your mom so openly about each other's, you know, sexual health. And it's just like, I don't know. We've just always been each other's rock and, and we've, just grown up together being comfortable sharing and open obviously for anyone listening my mom did not share her sexual health <laughs> until, you know long until after i was an adult Let, let's be clear i'm just saying like to this day nothing is off the table because like we've always been so comfortable talking about like really tough mental health stuff really tough um uh, just subjects in our lives. And, and, you know, she's always been open about like, she had a tough upbringing too. And like what that upbringing was like and how it's, you know, how it impacts her, you know? So. Thank you very much for sharing. I really appreciate that. And I think um, our listeners will get a lot from that. I know I did. So thank you for that. Uh, As we draw things to a close for today, do you have any upcoming projects or maybe some final thoughts that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I guess my final thoughts um, and projects, like I said, um, I have my comic book, the Kickstarter is releasing on, on June 1st. And so uh, I would absolutely love to, to share this world that I've really, I've been creating, I've been developing this world for almost five years now. Uh, so I've got a lot of, a lot of world building that, that will peep out or peek out throughout the, the comic series and, and the different projects that I have planned around there. Um, and so I would love to share that with people that are interested. Uh, but I guess my final thoughts are just, uh, man, I guess just continue to to engage in podcasting. If you're a listener and you've thought about like how cool it would be to guest on a show, I promise you, if there's a topic that you are interested in, if there is something you're passionate about, there's a podcast that exists out there that you could find. And if you want to engage in this hobby in some other way, like pursue it because all of us podcasters are always looking for somebody to come and, sh- and share their stories and, and uh, listen to, to what you have to say and talk with you. And so uh, just engage in podcasting. I, I'm always promoting podcasting anyway. You know, I'm always like trying to share new podcasts I discover with friends and, and, and promote shows that I, I have no connection to just because I, I love podcasting so much. I just want it to continue growing uh, like it has been these last few years. Um, but yeah, I guess that's my final note is find a way to get involved in a podcast somehow, because this is just a phenomenal outlet to share. Uh, I mean, look at this. We've talked about everything about, you know, podcasting to comic books, to mental health, to family upbringing, all in the same episode. And uh, so this is just a phenomenal medium to, to even just reflect on your own life. You don't realize like how much sitting back and, and, in an hour and a half interview podcast, how much you can reflect on your life and lessons you'll, you'll take back later. So, um, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Couldn't have put it better myself. Um, thank you very much for being such a wonderful guest and for sharing your story and being so candid and, uh, yeah, I wish you the absolute best of all your projects. Thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for having me here.
To everyone listening to the Christian Reeve podcast or watching on YouTube, make sure to like, share and subscribe. Leave us a comment. Let me know what you think of the show. If you're listening on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, drop us a follow, leave us a rating. Let me know your thoughts. Be vocal. There's a Discord. There's an Instagram. There's a TikTok now even. Um, I'm always looking at messages. I'm always up for any kind of feedback, constructive criticism. I'm always reading. I'm always listening. If there's anything in particular that you'd like to hear on the show in the future, let me know. Any particular guests you'd like to see on the show, let me know. And as always, be safe, be well, and I'll see you in the next one.